We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And on Thursday afternoon, after the Wolves fell to the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday night, I'm joined by Britt Robson of The Athletic. And somehow, Britt, in a week since we've last talked, a lot has changed. Basically, Cats returned, and DeAndre Russell has left (laughs) and and now it really feels a lot more a lot more attention seems to be focused on anthony edwards probably rightfully so and really it just it feels like a a scrambling of the snow globe where we kind of need to re pin down what it is we're actually looking at with this team if we are continuing to look at this team and and watch it and so forth is that where is that where your head goes yeah, to some extent. I mean, I do think that the D'Lo cat dynamic remains essential to the Rosas template of where he wants his team to go. Um, I think a healthy chunk of the fan base would be willing to move on, quite frankly. Um, but I don't. Sure. I don't think president of basketball operations. Uh, throwing max contracts at number one overall picks, perhaps. Actually, one number one overall would be a good thing. But uh, protected, top three protected uh, first-round picks into mixes. Um, there's a lot riding on Rosas ultimately being at least partially right about acquiring D'Lo to pair with Cat as two cornerstones on this team. Uh, regardless of how Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels and even Ricky Rubio and and Jared Vanderbilt work out, um, that's still a a large marker 
that he has laid down. And that's not going to go away. Um, whenever Russell comes back, whether it's toward the end of the season or the beginning of next season, um, and whatever else happens, I mean, let's, you know, we know by now that you never assume anything with this franchise, but um, it is my opinion that that dynamic will have every chance to succeed. And, you know, quite frankly, they have not had a chance thus far. But I also think that giving that dynamic a chance to succeed is going to be a tough mesh with the other momentum-oriented things going forward. So I think it's the same old Timberwolves. There is uh, cross agendas and there is uh, um, mixed up momentums that don't necessarily work with each other. And uh, there will be um, a, a plethora of scapegoats to point to. Uh, which is always important when it comes to the Timberwolves. So the, just the night of the, the D'Lo news, and as I kind of sat down after that, that Lakers game, you know, and obviously a little caught in the moment of Edwards looks like a, you know, a star and all those things. I think where my head went was for the first time, honestly, in a long time, was just to stop thinking about this through the Rosa's regime lens and through the Rosa's this is – what their plan is, this is what their agenda is. You, I mean, you, know, we, you and I always talk about this, where we, we have conversations about the future, about the presence, through the parameters that have been preset by Gerson Rosas. And, and obviously that's still the environment that, you know, that we live in. But I think, for me, as I started thinking about Anthony Edwards last night, I, where my head goes is... This kid looks like he's going to be a good player. Yes. Uh, you know, down the road. And in all likelihood, that means he will re-sign after his rookie season. Probably a max contract for five more years after that. That's logical progressions, number one and two. And then number three is the fact if that happens, that means he's under contract for eight more years beyond this one. That's just... Right. That's... That's why it's so great to have a rookie, right, or a, a top pick, is because you have team control for nine years if you get them, if it works. And and so through through those parameters, I just started looking at it different, and I was like, well, yes, the Cat and D'Lo stuff is, is completely relevant right now, and it, it will define this chapter. And then I think there's another sort of end of that chapter that is, does Cat stay or go? you know, as he comes towards the end of his contract. Those are those are boxes that will need to be navigated. But really, you know, I, I just start thinking about <laughs> the two things that I think we know are going to be here in four years <laughs> are Anthony Edwards, you know, the fan base and the media, <laughs> right? Like, it's very likely that all the other characters in this story you know, change along along this road, and we're gonna get to all the things along this road. But it's it's a better situation that now that we know what Anthony Edwards is than what it was towards the end of the KG era, right? Or even the end of the like the Caleb era, where there wasn't there wasn't like that dude who who could kind of bridge the gap and and take you to to whatever the next window is and. And I know you're gonna probably think that I'm getting too you know too far ahead of myself here, but 
but you were with me in being skeptical about the the D'Lo cat idea in the first place, yes. and and so if that wasn't going to work in the first place, I mean, I don't know. That's just where my that's where my head goes mm-hmm. as I think about D'Lo getting shut down for the season. This season, thus being labeled on the preset parameters right. as irrelevant, and so so to say to keep the analysis somewhat interesting and valuable i i don't know that's just that's where my head goes it, it let it lets go of some of these preconceived ideals that we put in place and i i do appreciate the bigger frame that you occasionally pull out and the fact that you can vary your frame you know you on your nightly podcast from what i understand it's pretty much a mini frame of a single game um I would just caution that those... Here comes a big butt. I knew a big butt was coming here. (laughs) Those big frames are almost always skewed. Um, First of all, you blithely say that we know that Anthony Edwards is going to become a really good player or a pretty good player, a solid player or whatever. Um, That's what was said about Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And so... How about this? Hold up. Let me me say that. And then let's talk about Cat. Is Cat going to be here or not? I mean, that is a huge question. An enormous question. The idea that Cat um, may be punted for a haul of resources or that Cat may stick around totally changes the dynamic. Okay, but let me let me let me forward. let me ask okay. you this. Okay. What is what is more likely than not to Anthony Edwards that he is a good player that signs a five year max contract? Is that an over fifty percent proposition? Yes, whether or not that is a good deal for the Timberwolves is also over 50%, okay. but certainly not 75 to 80%. Right, okay, okay. I, and I, I agree with that. That's that's the same numbers and the same way I would look at it, but I would say it's over 50%. Yes. And then now now to Cat, is it is it over a 50% chance that he leaves and is traded before the end of his contract? I say no. Why? Because I think that this team is starved for stars, and he is one. And I also think that to try to do another push-and-pull rebuild um, at this stage, it would be one thing if if you were – a 13th seed or a 12th seed or, you know, whatever. You're the worst team in basketball right now. You're the worst team in basketball. You're net yes, rating, sir. you know, I mean, uh, and so the idea, all right, let's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tear it down. <laughs> okay. You know that there's more logic to that than what the way that you're framing that. Yes. But I know that the fans will, will construct a 70-foot middle finger in the middle of the target center when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a couple of those, a uh, couple of emails and DMs about that after I talked about it. That, uh, you're right. I mean, I don't know, man. I just if it's not going to work, this this is you you can't not you can't not consider it. I guess that's what I'm saying. Is is you can't fine. not consider and, and, it. And it is entirely possible. Here's what I think. I think that the enormous hauls for 
tier two superstars or even like tier three, if you use the athletics, um, you know, Seth Partnow's tiering, um, I don't think you get five picks on a couple of starters anymore. I think that that period is going to be uh, re-examined. Uh, I don't think the Drew Holiday Hall, the James Harden Hall, those things are not going to become the norm. I disagree. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think that if you put Cat on the market today, you 100% get the Drew Holiday Hall. Which no. is, let's remind people what that is. I mean, that's Which is, at least two number ones, right? And some really three. Good, it was three. Three number ones, and there was at least one starter in there, wasn't there? That, well, they traded away Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Okay, all right. So they got Holiday but, and traded away Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is maybe a beneficial thing in that way, too. But it's it's unfair to just label it as, as pick stuff because there's often – it's often picks and you know, young centerpieces, but the Drew Holiday one is of recent star players traded is the lowest end of the gradient, and it was still it was still three number ones. I now think almost could, anybody would assume if you look at that 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 was a ridiculous overpay, and I love Drew Holiday. Okay, but but sure, what was it a? But then, and Anthony Davis, everyone would, would they assume that was a ridiculous overpay to get him from the Pelicans? No, because it wasn't. Okay, but it was still it was a four lot. firsts it and was a crap a ton right, of right. ton of young players. And and then what about Paul George? Yeah, people will say you leveraged you leveraged the Kawhi situation. What they did, but they also got a shit ton of stuff as much as they possibly could. And Shea Gilgis Alexander. And then you go to you go to the James Harden deal and what they got. They got as much as they possibly could, which is four firsts and huge, four swaps and Karis overpay, Levert. Right. Huge overpay after huge overpay after huge overpay. At some point, that becomes. A pattern and and the market and I'm not saying Cat is James Harden. I'm just saying the lowest end of those r- players traded recently is Drew Holiday. So we, I think it is very fair to say we can draw the line that it would at least be Drew Holiday if if it was a front office with any negotiation chops. Show me the deal that doesn't involve LeBron James where this has worked out. What? Well, what is it? Anthony Davis? Oh, Anthony Davis is the only one you're saying? Yes. Okay, but you think that's gonna that's gonna make people stop going for it? If anything, we've learned that teams are more and more want to go for it. If as soon as they see any sort of shot at a at a championship, I mean, if you if you go down the list, let's not undersell what Cat is either. Here, if you put Cat on a team as a number two or a number three guy, that is gonna be really good way better than drew holiday would be as a as a number three guy okay and if thanks for making that statement uh because what happens if anthony edwards pans out and cat is the number two or number three guy on this franchise i i hear that i hear that the best the best situation here is that cat stays is that cat stays and you build around everyone that you have right now and and you and you continue going along this path i am totally with you cat and ant do that. Resign him to a max contract, and and you and now you're in the situation that you the other teams want to trade to be in. That would be great. I'm saying, and as are you, that is an under fifty percent proposition that Carl Anthony Towns agrees to that. Oh, it no, is. I, no, no, I didn't say that. I said he would be here. Oh, I did. I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but well, <laughs> what I should say is I think you're wrong in in believing that it's over fifty percent. I just, I mean. 
again, if we go down historical precedent, go down all the dudes in the league who are 26, 27 years old. What do they or who are who are the best guys in the league right now? What do they do when they were 26, 27? They moved. Do you want to explain the mindset of Carl Anthony Towns to me, please? Could you could, <laughs> could you lay out your certainty as to what he's going to do here? I mean, I could tell you what I think. All right. I think I think he's been um I honestly think he's pretty much been a trooper through a lot of this. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um, and I think it's been, you know, this is six years into his career, and they're the worst team in the league. And and I think right now he's soldiering on, and I think he's going to continue to for the next, you know, year or two. But I think he is – this is just, you know, my read on the situation, as you have a read on the situation, as everyone else does. I think he's going to want to – I think he's going to want to leave and and go somewhere else. And I think he has he's moved into a different phase of his personal life um, with his serious girlfriend who lives in Los Angeles and is a Hollywood person. And all those I don't even know if Hollywood is this thing to call Instagram people anymore. But I mean, I I don't know, Brent. I want him to stay like I I would. I think that is the best thing. That is my read on the situation is that he seems to me to be a person who will eventually be sad to break it to the team that he doesn't want to go I can see, or that he does I can want see to see that I can see that I can also see that this is a guy who has been given everything that could possibly be given to a player by this new regime over the last 18 months 20 months whatever it is and is going to be in a position to command a level of respect for being loyal to an organization, pulling Giannis, whatever you want to call it, um, to bring forth something. I can really see him being, quote unquote, virtuous by being loyal and by saying, D'Lo is my guy. He's doing what, you know, you quoted him last night about Ryan Saunders. He's doing it right now. I mean, if he really, really winning was ubermost in his mind, um, if he honestly thinks that Ryan Saunders is his best chance to win long term, um, then we have to start thinking about the fact that he's pretty loyal to this organization. I 100%. I and. I, I what I want to say is I think this is all in the balance right now. I think you would agree too that that uh, let's if you're on the side of sixty percent he stays and I'm on the side of sixty percent he goes as right. our estimates right. just to put a number to it. I think we both agree that this over the next twelve to eighteen to twenty four months can make a massive swing and, in and, in either direction. And I will also con- concede to you that volatility is always the safer bet. When you're talking about NBA teams in the future, I mean, there's a 50-50 chance that Anthony Edwards isn't here in four years, quite frankly. Um, you know, he's... Oh. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I mean, mean, there's all kinds of situations yeah, yeah, yeah. that happen. What I wouldn't say 50-50, you but a, you're right. What happens if you get a chance to land... Uh, Cade Cunningham oh, 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 was oh, even oh. better oh, yes, than yes, Anthony yes. Edwards. A trade, a trade, 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 trade. Yes. Sorry, I thought you meant 
if they wanted to keep him. I, I agree. I, I think there's a there's a real possibility. I mean, we've talked about this a, a bunch. I've sure talked about it a lot is the whole idea that Anthony Edwards was going to be the young guy of the trade package for the Timberwolves when they go out and trade for their, you know, their star, the Karis LeVert and that deal. Right, so, right. so yeah, sorry. You're, you're, you're definitely right there. What I, I'm saying, again, based on historical precedent, if teams draft a guy number one overall, that player is good, I mean, it, they stay. That's just, they, they can get the most money on the max contract after that, and they're under contract for nine years. Number and then, two overall, apparently not. <laughs> not in this organization. Well, well they missed the, they missed the prerequisite. <laughs> That's true. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself ourselves, but we are. It's just I'm just saying, as I said at the beginning, that's where my head goes with the D'Lo news is because I, because I think what we both know is going to happen here over the next 20 games is we're going to get to know Anthony Edwards really well. And we are right. Go ahead. I am far more comfortable talking about A to B or even A to C than I am A to F, because I do think between A and F, those letters in between are not the letters we think they are. I mean, that's the thing about volatility. Uh, I probably said that what I said about cat, it wasn't devil's advocacy because I honestly can argue both sides with with sincerity. Um, I frankly don't know whether Cat will stay. I think Cat as a human being is complex and a, uh, uh, a um, unique, needy, um, and very, very uh, almost a mythic figure right now, given what he's been through with COVID and everything else. And would you say he's changed too in the past twelve? Oh, he's like yeah. at he's almost added like attributes in, right. in ways too, but has not shaken his desire for bold statements that may or may not hold water at the end of the day. So you see the risk comment last night. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. again, so what I am saying is, is that I don't think putting a big marker down. I mean, if if Cat was Cat's decisions were on a roulette wheel. I'd walk away anyway because he would be complicating <laughs> the odds on a roulette wheel. I mean, we just don't know. We don't know anything right. about what this dude is going to do because, I mean, let's face it. You you mentioned a few of the factors. Um, he's got family in New Jersey, for example, that is very, very close to him. He's now like a father figure there. Um his dad isn't getting any younger. He feels a great obligation to that family on that side. He's got a girlfriend who he obviously means the world to him. And he, he, he loves the, uh, the notoriety of that relationship as anybody his age probably would, quite frankly. Um, but the point being is there's a lot of things. Those life changes as, as he is probably the first to be able to tell you now. But his approach to life will also be um, not something I'd ever want to speculate on with certainty because um, he is he's a unique Well, you know that I'm not speculating unique. with any certainty uh, either. No, no. He's a, well, he's a unique individual. So what I can say is 
where I would like to pivot off this is let's say that the current trends continue. And let's say that the Wolves just happen to be a better team without D'Angelo Russell on the roster than when he is on the roster. And that his absence creates a lot of positive dynamics that otherwise would be impossible to have happen. Ricky Rubio would always be looking over his shoulder and trying to figure out whether or not he can establish his rhythm and and, and ability to uh, uh, establish his imprimatur on the way this team should play. Um, Edwards clearly loves playing uh, with Rubio um, and clearly loves playing on the court with Cat as somebody who is a, a great option. Um, if you try to squeeze D'Lo, Cat, Beasley, uh, and um, Edwards on the court, that's somebody is going to be unhappy. And um, so all of these things accrue in my view. And so that is the pivot that I am most interested in right now is it will not be good news for D'Lo if this team begins to really find a footing and a rhythm with what they have right now. If the last three games are any indication, um, this is a, is a fun team. It's still a very young team and it makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, and you can lay some of that on Ryan Saunders. You can lay some of that on uh, Malik Beasley, Cat. Even Rubio last night, to some extent, although less so than usual lately. Um, but it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I, well, can we can we peel part part of that? Yeah. How much of that? I, I think it's 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 two parts, right? Like people can jump to, oh, this team is fun, seems to make more sense, and is well, they better. have a plan. That's the thing. right. It feels like they know what they want to do, whereas before they did not know what they wanted to do. Sure, but uh, so so how much of this is D'Lo being out and how much of it is Cat being in? I think about 70% Cat and about 30% D'Lo. Okay, good. I, I agree with you. I was The way you were talking about it, I thought you were maybe going to go the other direction. Oh, there, no, but... no, but 30% ain't nothing. You know, I mean... That's true. No, no, facts. And, 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 um, and if, if Ricky Rubio wasn't a different player, and again, small sample size to some extent, but... He was beginning to look like he should retire, you know. I mean, I'm serious. He sucked. He was yeah. awful. And so yeah. uh, all of a sudden, he looks a lot like the guy, pro and con, that, you know, played in Phoenix and Utah. Uh, somebody who knows when to go to the corner now and seeks out three-point shots from the corner. Um, somebody who gets on his horse between foul lines to hasten the team into its sets. Uh, somebody who doesn't keep the ball, even when he's doing a lot of shooting, is always on the move, um, getting to his spot or dribbling with the ball to create something for somebody else. Um, it just ruined it for me with the last his last shot at the end of regulation. That was a great game, and that was just was that the, the step back when he was driving through the lane. Some week, yeah, it's like thirty eight seconds left. Yeah, yeah, his little 
12 foot leaner thing that, I mean, how often do those go in? It just, well, part of that is, I mean, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him because uh, I, I don't want to oversell Rubio, but he had looked at a number of things as he was driving. I, I got the impression that he didn't see anything there for anybody. I'd have to go back and look at where everybody was on the court. But I do. There was still there was still time on the clock, I guess. So I I went back and like was looking at it at the end of the game, and and it was like you're. I mean, he's always he's always doing his bug eye Rubio thing, yeah. looking around to to get it to somebody else. But I think the move is there, is to you you gnash it under the hoop, right? And and you just you keep going. It just it just but to me it comes down to like Rubio. I actually think that that Rubio cross court usually it's right to left rather than left to right. But I do think that cross court fadeaway is a more accurate shot than a contested layup for Rubio. No, 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 no. I'm not saying. <laughs> okay, oh, you sure. said Nash it to the rim. That's what I thought you meant. Nash, Nash. Oh, like, Nash. Go up, ah, yeah, okay, uh, got it, got under it. Under the rim. All right, yes, yes. No, I, I mean, I just don't. I think he can't shoot there. I like. I, I don't think. I don't think if you're Ricky Rubio, you can take a shot there that isn't a wide open three. That's it. That's all. And I think I think as Rubio, look you at need his shooting to, percentage the last three games, though. It's pretty good. I know. I, it, and it's interesting. It, this is an interesting thing. It's like it, it brings up the whole hot hand thing. Yeah. And what, which which I believe in, but I believe in if it's a good score, like if it's a if they have a certain level of being a a good offensive player. And so I think I think people would justify that. I think Ricky justifies taking the shot there. Um, in his own head, or Ryan would they say because he's having a good game. He's he had twenty points and he was. It you know, was he a made lot ha- more forgivable than that Anthony Edwards contested three. I'll tell you. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. But like, everybody, wait, so that, now, wait, yeah. wait, wait. You can look on uh, Wool's fan Twitter. Rubio taking that shot, you know, uh, you know, six feet under would not be far enough to bury him after that play. Right, right. And Anthony Edwards rimming out it was a hell of a shot under the circumstances i mean he turned a 10 percent chance of making that shot into a 49.9 percent chance of making that shot uh but that's well, still i i banged both of them that still, neither of those decisions make any sense is what is what my point is. i agree i agree uh but i also think that the ant shot is the kind of thing that people go, oh, you know, I mean, people want their chosen guy to make the chosen play, to have the drama be written the way the classic literature wants to write the drama. And first of all, the fact that the Timberwolves fans means they ought to realize that it is almost always a Gothic novel and somebody dies in the end. But Having said all that, surprise, surprise, in this particular case, Ryan Saunders had it right. I wanted a mismatch with one of the two guys who can get me the mismatch the best. Mm-hmm. And he had one of the mismatches. It's not a great one because Miles Turner can get on his horse. And I, I, I would have paid to see Edwards against Turner at the rim to solve this game. I mean, that would have been that would have been a classic ending for me either way. That would have been great. Right. But to have a guy who went three for 15 on the night, take a step back over a lunging miles Turner, you know, and then have everybody, I if cat 10 out of 10 times, I'd take that shot, you know, all right. Talk to Josh Akogi about that kind of thinking. Um, and then, <laughs> well, it's and just, then it's Rubio, a tie game. It's Rubio. a tie game. 
Reminds me of Donovan Mitchell. You know, put a crown on that dude. You know, I mean, the fact that he was cold all the time and still took the shot means he's special. Well, I can name you a ton of shitty ball players then who are very, very special because they think they know how to shoot when they don't. No, it's uh, I that whitewashing just really pisses me off, quite frankly. No, I mean, I, I you know, Anthony hey, but Edwards Ryan Ryan called it out. Ryan, Ryan called it out, right? And and that was, I mean, but the, he yeah. didn't call it the Ricky thing. He called out the ant thing, right? And right. and like it just, I mean, that just makes sense. That's just basketball logic. It's a tie game. There's 11 seconds left. The Pacers so have no timeouts. Get to the bucket. We well, what I'm saying, we're right now. You and I are not, but the the prevailing. I imagine what I'm saying right now will probably get pushed back. You know, let Edwards be Edwards. Let's see what he can do. He's a special talent, so on and so forth. No, he's a special talent, but he's a he's a kid that needs to learn clearly, any number of ways, and not only yeah, but you know, I mean, the guy's dancing with his dogs later on because it's a great thing. You know, I mean. I almost made it. Hurrah! You know, I mean, they lost the game. And look, I had a lot of fun last night. I thought last night, one of my top three or four favorite games and my favorite losing game thus far this year. I thought it was a great time. But if we want to think about this team in the future, that wasn't a, what, what is, what about that is a learning experience for Anthony Edwards that he misses a shot he shouldn't have taken, and everybody loads him with praise. Head coach accepted. Head coach accepted. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what what else we say. It's like that's 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 it's not probably not thing. the right that's move. Not the way yeah, you yeah. raise your number one pick. And that goes back to the whole. Yeah, it go, the the conversation we had last time about. What environment are you in? You own an accountability environment, a quote unquote losing environment, but all all those sort of things. And yeah, I mean, I I think it's interesting that it's Rubio and Cat too, right? That are the ones who are doing the whitewashing, as you said, um, because they're the ones who are supposed to like raise this kid, right? Like Rubio, that's the stated know, goal. Hey, for all I know, you know, this is my opinion. Maybe. They're the ones that are with him, and they're the ones that are, at least, I would say they are, Cat and Rubio in that order are one and two in improving Edwards' play on the court right now, uh, thus far, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe what they know things that we don't know. All I'm saying is from my vantage point, coddling is not the right word, but giving a corrective saying, um, look, love the confidence. I would have rather have seen the confidence manifested in you going with your ACE card against Turner's ACE card and may the best man win. Because at the very least, we might have a chance to clean that up if you went a little sooner rather than shooting at the last second. Um, a lot of things could have happened there. So, well, and, and it's the, it's the example of, what the label was of, of Anthony Edwards coming out of college was a settler uh-huh. when it came to okay. to his shooting game. And that and to take the three there is settling. I think um, so. For for an I I don't think how how could anyone argue that it wasn't? The fact that he almost made it. 
know. Okay. Well, sure. Results dismissed. Um, But yeah, I mean, this doesn't mean he will be these things forever, but I think that's why it's relevant is he does have, I mean, I just literally praised him up and down and basically said the franchise should give him max contract right right now. Like, so this isn't, this isn't me shitting on him. It's that he's got to do, there are a lot of things that need to be ironed out here. And, and what is, what is so encouraging, I think, is the fact that he's already here and able to do a lot of this stuff when he very clearly from a basketball understand. I mean, I would say that's a basketball IQ thing last night, you know, and, and some stuff like he he clearly has so much to learn. And the coaches will, you know, will, will tell you that what's important is you start that learning process, right? Like right. you get it, you get it going, you get it going now yeah there is a ramp the ramp has been constructed and he's moving down the ramp now i mean we're getting momentum toward that situation um and i regard praise when it is not justified as bumps in that ramp that slow the momentum down that ramp uh and i mean it's easy to rag on okogi but Joshua Kogi has been told his entire NBA career that it's okay to cut loose with shots. He's the worst shooter in the NBA. And to call that a good thing, and I bet you Jared Culver said the same thing. Smart organizations tell young players who can't shoot to pick their shots and work on their shooting outside of basketball games. And I understand. Hundred percent. And and when man, that that's the argument. If people want to make an argument for firing Ryan Saunders, it's that stuff. But that's a it's, it's that stuff. That is a prevailing NBA thing too. Where how many times have you heard when you're that open, you got to shoot it? No, you don't. You do yeah. not. You do not have to shoot it. If you right, were wide right. open, that wide open, you were that wide open for a reason. And the reason <laughs> is they want you to try to make that shot. They right. think it will help their chances and, of winning. And what's messed up is you apply the same inverse of the logic on the other side of the floor where where you leave bad shooters open. Like, how does that work? Where does that – how does this breakdown happen? You go, well, so-and-so is a 28% three-point shooter, so we're leaving him open today. Yet, on the other side of the floor, we go, we're going to feed our 22% three-point shooter. Like, what is that? They Honestly, why I, does that happen? I think – People get confused by a positive culture versus a healthy culture. Sometimes a healthy culture is not 100% positive. It is saying, hey, you're getting minutes for a reason. This is not one of the reasons you're getting minutes right now. You're getting minutes because this is what you do. And if you are wide open from the corner or from the slot, as Okogi often is, um, make your own determination as to whether or not you should shoot. But understand, if it's not a good outcome, you are going to be held accountable for that negative outcome. That's just the way it is. That's a healthy culture. Let's, um, I think this slides into the power forward conversation yeah. with kind of what's going on with Vanderbilt and McDaniels. And now that a Kogi seems that's a fascinating, uh, that is, you know, there's so many great nuances. I mean, who would have thought that the absolute pause, 
Pause. That's the tease. That's the tease. We're going to an ad break. (laughs) What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. As you were, Britt. Um, <laughs> Who would have thought that the absolute void at power forward would create such interesting dynamics 30 games into the season? Dude, totally. I mean, it, it's so weird. <laughs> Jared Vanderbilt, I love the guy. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch him. But I was thinking that last night, too. Like, we've we've... We do this thing where we go, where these guys aren't playing or they're playing like eight minutes a game, and we go, got to get this dude minutes. Why isn't he starting? And then he starts, and we're just kind of like forget about praising him or forget about like, I thought Vanderbilt was awesome last night. I thought he was awesome last night. And then and then it was like, I, I, I don't know. It was like, oh, obviously McDaniels should be in to close the game. You know, and it's, he's... McDaniel's is, is is flasher and is shooting threes, and I still think, generally speaking, McDaniel's you know should should play more. But but yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Like Vanderbilt has been fun and and legit good. Like I think he's been legit good at power forward this year. He has, and I've been on lately. My thing has been to pump the brakes on McDaniel's, and I got to concede I'm looking stupid a lot. You know, I mean the <laughs> the dude. <laughs> I mean, that play where you tweeted out that that's the best defensive possession they had all season, yeah. um, he he made that play. I mean, the fact that he caught up on that roll to Sabonis and denied the pass. And, and you know, there was Nas or whoever it was behind him, uh, you know, making yeah. the double team. But that closeout on the pick and roll after he got slightly picked, um, the dude – as a defender of the pick and roll roller, as well as the pick and roll ball handler, is already, uh, he might be the best pick and roll defender on the team right now. He's right up there. But but it is, in, it is surely about his physical skills. Um, no, it is. I don't think so. I think he's got really good anticipation. I, well, I, go back and go back t- today and just watch the fourth quarter. Okay. Or no, no, not the fourth quarter, the overtime. Okay. Um, 
And I, I don't mean that in like a. Right, right. I, 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 I'm curious. Ed, text me because. Because of Brogdon, you mean? Yeah, it was it was interesting. They they really the Pacers are are the they're gonna put him through the rigor there more than anyone else. And there's there's this um there's this interesting sequence where remember when Aaron Holiday blew by Cat yes. and got that layup that was in, in the overtime. Right. But it so so with synergy I can really slow that? it down. It was what Cat starts doing is he turn he turns I don't need to turn my head as I'm talking to no, not no, speak no, the microphone. It's a good illustration. He. He he turns his head and starts and starts calling to McDaniel's to come in and tag Sabonis, who's the, who's the roller there, and while he's turning his head to talk to McDaniel's, that's where Holiday, you know, blows by. Whereas the the next possession, they're running the same thing, and it's Ricky who's in the tag position, and Ricky's already there, you know, to you know to tag in, and I guess that's not specifically. You know, a pick and roll. You're talking about pick and roll on no, the no, ball. No, no, I understand what you're saying. He is not perfect by any means. What I- that, that, sorry, that's all I'm trying to get across is there's like if you go through and, and, and I think if we rip through his defensive stuff, you go, wait, he's he's getting all these blocks. He's deleting all this space. And he's he doesn't quite know everything yet either right. defensive. That's what's really encouraging. Yeah, I agree. But also, I really do think what has impressed me, aside from the pick and roll, I think he has parsed how to, when to go under picks, when to go over picks, and when to collapse space when that is an unwise decision on one or the other. I do think he's done that pretty well. Hasn't and, been watching any Malik Beasley film. Oh, well, I know. Let's, that's all My that's God. Well, let's deal oh. with that. Right now we're on the power. I know, we're I know. I just had, I had power. to say it. I had to say it. We're on the You're right. Floor. Go ahead. Continue. So he is able to catch up to his man, whether his man turns out to be the ball handler or the roller, depending on how things are panning out. That's a great thing. A second. It's insane. It's like he's a, he's a 10 out of 10 at that. Like who else is like that in the NBA? It reminds me of JaVale McGee. Right. And then like, and then, like a center. And then the second thing is his following is very, very infrequent. He, the fact that he is able to get where he gets, I mean, to be fair, Vanderbilt does a lot of the same things, but he does it with heedless hustle. I mean, Vanderbilt makes great plays because he is, um, he's like Okogie or Shabazz Muhammad. There are certain guys that have, uh, Corey Brewer. I mean, guys who just hit the throttle and then whatever the hell is in the way, Let's see what Yeah, happens. which are going to run into sometimes, which is going to lead to fouls. That's a good be, point. They're going to be followers. All those guys are followers. McDaniels has – he's live, and he is um, springy. Doesn't have much body mass to well, run that's into. that's the thing that is – that's what I keep coming back to. I keep saying, how can you play 185-pound power forward against Sabonis or Turner? Well, as it turned out – it was fascinating to me to see Indiana coach not play those guys very often together, which I thought that was bizarre. I mean, why would which, you that was reactive? It was reactive to the fact to that the Sabonis did not the floor. need Turner too. I mean, Sabonis yeah. didn't need Turner. You would mm-hmm. think that you know, uh, first of all, Sabonis maybe had the game of his life. That was really, really a great game from him, and the fact he, that Sabonis and Brogdon, man. It's interesting. Those guys. So I watched before that game. I watched the, I watch their game against the Bulls on Monday. I fucking love Indiana, I do man. Too. That's, that's my, my favorite, favorite teams. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Say, but and Charlotte, I get Charlotte. That's, That's they're, they're I tied. Like that <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but but anyways, like Sabonis sucked in their game on Monday against the Bulls. Yeah. And and Brogdon did too, where they're just missing all those these layups. And so honestly, I went into this game and I was like, dude, the Pacers are gonna come out and just kill the Wolves. Right. Like just just because you know they're they're and they play well. I mean, the Wolves it, just happen to play really well too. I that's and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this as to be a credit to the Wolves that I was personally shocked that the Wolves were in the game. I saw the spread was five and a half. Right. And I'm like, oh my god, I would bet a ton of money on the what whatever it won actually. Did the did the Pacers win by six? <laughs> I think they did. I think they won the game. Whatever. That's no not my last point. minute layup for Malik Beasley. Beasley. Oh Who God, I, he's you, got. You begin to wonder, you know, wait a minute, somebody ought to check the phone records between the bookies and Beasley. Oh my God! Totally. Um, By the way, but, but that yes. was totally fanciful. No, don't want to accuse Malik Beasley of any crime. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good call. But hey, he he, uh, he didn't start. No, that was interesting. You know what though? Uh, I always. What is he? Twenty five, twenty six, twenty four. Okay. Showing up for your job every damn day. If you do it, oh, yeah. if you do it ninety nine percent of the time, people are going to remember that day that you were late. You know, totally. And so no, no, totally. I always say, you know, all right, we make it a big thing. You know, we don't play them for six minutes. All right. So as it turns out, the worst damage to Beasley about that was, hey, he looks pretty good on the second unit. I mean, <laughs> as somebody who probably really wants to start, that may have been a big punishment. But in this mm-hmm. grand scheme of things, it's not a big punishment because it's not a big crime. You know, if you're late right. to practice one time, you know, OK, so you haven't reached the Kawhi Leonard standard yet where you don't have to practice if you don't feel like it. You know, so what does all this mean? You know, um, do you know that he's on probation for three years? Yeah. Like probation probation yeah i mean drug drug test alcohol he can't drink alcohol or, own or firearms smoke, right or smoke i mean if he does he goes to jail exactly that's i mean he's been awesome and by all accounts and from you know background i have too he's been he's been great off the floor but that means as a 24 year old a 25 year old and a 26 year old for the duration of the time he's under contract for the timberwolves he can't smoke a joint and he can't have a sip of alcohol. Otherwise, he goes to jail. Right. So in the off season, <laughs> you think about, all right, how much jail time is it? 120 days. <laughs> oh, 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 how many, how much? <laughs> I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean. All right, so last day of the regular season, <laughs> do they have the NBA playoffs on in jail? That's what I want to know. Right, right. Uh, no, I. The, that's what I'd be thinking. Uh, it, it is. He. Uh, let's talk about Malik. All right. Um, You're right. Awful, awful, awful defense last night. And by the way, Malik Beasley is a net bad defender. He does try hard on defense, but mm-hmm. he also his effort sometimes gets in the way of his logic. In, in the you know people who I think are a lot smarter than me about basketball that I, you know, I text from time to time or they text me while they're watching Wolves games. Uh-huh. The it the two things that 
they text me most mockingly during games are obviously Delo's effort defensively, right. and then, and then Malik's positioning on defense. Malik's positioning and just how, not my words, theirs. Right. How his effort is pointless because he's using it wrong, right. and and that's just. Uh, I don't think that's totally true. Obviously, that's some hyperbole, right. um, but he's just. He doesn't get it, man. Well, like, he doesn't. Okay, now let me give you one caveat, which is, yep. in my opinion anyway, the Wolves are really, really bad in transition defense. And the so, worst I've ever seen. And so to have somebody like Malik, who at least runs back and gets a guy, sure. is Malik Beasley is like in, in the top third of the roster in terms of transition defense, simply because he can occasionally be disruptive just by being there. A lot of these guys don't even get there or get to the wrong person a lot of the time. And by the way, I mean, you and I both commented on this. I, I saw a distance apart to some extent. Um, falling down and then, trying, oh my God. and then trying to play transition defense is just somebody has to tell Nas Reed that this isn't the old days where you had that little plastic hoop when you were a kid and you put a bunch of pillows underneath that hoop <laughs> so that you could make a fancy play and fall down. I mean, how many And Ricky, times, man. How many Him times, and Ricky. How many times it, are we going to watch people hit the deck? Well, and and then even if they scramble to get up, probably too late. No, well, because they're already bad when they have five guys in transition right, defense. Right. And it tr what makes them bad in transition defense is is that they they struggle to communicate when they are now guarding the guy who they weren't guarding the position but possession before. So there's this like awkward, oh, oh, you, me, who's doing it? And and whenever that happens, they get cooked. And that's even with five guys. You trigger that awkwardness every single time when you start going back with four guys because Rubio or Nas are on the pillows. Right. And and that I mean that was that was a killer play in the game. Ru Rubio two minutes left, Rubio makes a layup and then they go down and hit they hit the Jeremy Lamb right corner three underneath the basket right there. It's like, oh, great take by Rubio. He actually finishes one at the rim, but he falls over and slides into the Lexus under the hoop. They go down, run, <laughs> run four on five, and and Beasley collides into Aaron Holiday, tries to flop, fall like falls right, over. Right. Jeremy Lamb's wide open in the corner three. I mean, that was a, that was a massive that was a massive play. Rubio at, at should the have end hopped in that Lexus. Got back going. <laughs> Talk about full throttle. Uh, no, okay, but Malik Malik has so exceeded my expectations offensively. I it is he is incredible with his footwork on the perimeter. Some of his stuff where they where the Wolves are playing transition offense, and he is literally sprinting to the corner. Catches the ball in stride, sets his feet in the corner behind the three, and makes that forty. That is so hard to do. Right, like that is and so hard to do. And it's harder, I would think, anyway. I mean, I, last time I shot a three, you know, was <laughs> probably turn of the century. But um, from the left side on a right-hand shooter, running hard to your left and spinning like that—that's Kyle Korver material. I mean, I just it's, you know you don't. And it is Kyle Korver level, man. Like no joke. Right. It is. It's 
and I'm obviously doing the thing to pump them up to knock them down because <laughs> it's it's a ten out of ten on offense. It's it's like a four out of ten on defense, and it's a zero out of ten in late game execution. It wasn't just last night. It was the Orlando game. It was the Pelicans game. It's all this stuff. He doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't listen to the coaches. He, he doesn't he, like being told what to do. He wants to make a big play on defense. He's not a schematic guy in that sense, which is fascinating because he does seem he under he figures out what defenses are throwing against the Wolves, and as you just mentioned, gets to spots, gets to seams. In other people's defenses, why yeah, can't he? Understand? He is a scheme guy. Yeah, right. Offensively. Why can't he understand that he's making seams for the other guy? To you know, if you want to run a high pick and roll with Beasley, and either one of you are either slightly larger or slightly quicker, and that's a lot of NBA players than Beasley is, then you are going to get around him and have your choice of what you want to do next. And that's that's nirvana for a decent NBA guy on the perimeter. So I do think it's, you know, it's a problem. It, remember when I asked Ryan the other night? The second, I was literally just going to bring this up. Go ahead. Yeah. This, when I said the second unit just came in and just rolled with a lot of things. Um, what is it about them on defense that they don't do? And he said communication. They just mm-hmm. don't communicate. Uh and that is, I mean, the McLaughlin, Nas, that whole group. Remember McDaniels? All these guys were, were killing it. Remember when they had all that ball movement and everything? And then on defense, yeah. different. I don't think that's what you thought I was going to say. Nope. I thought you were going to talk about Mal- When you asked, you asked Ryan about Malik as an initiator. Oh, yeah. Right. And at Jason and I were actually, because this was, I think, on a game. And then Jason and I were talking about it at the game afterwards. And I think, I think your implication was that he's both statistically a good playmaker, Malik, and and should be getting more opportunities in in that situation. Yes. Be- is that you know why is he st- is that a statistical argument or is that a totally statistical, subjective argument? Statistical argument because I was I was in the middle of my deal piece, and I That's was I, thought- I, I was I was immersed and i mean immersed in pick and roll numbers and malik beasley look him up as a pick and roll ball handler yeah i well i I can't do it as fast so keep talking (laughs) oh you're sneezing Uh, i'm on synergy and you're sneezing this is good we got this on video we got this on video that's all right hey people needed to take a drink all right (laughs) so he's like one two four or something at least he was he was second in the nba in uh no, Britt, that's what, see, this is, I think that this is what Jason and I were talking about too. I think you got your numbers mixed up. Mm. He's 0.821 as a pick and roll ball handler. 37th percentile. Pick and roll ball handler. Interesting. Yeah. I, I Well, because I, I, I've done the same shit where I'm writing down a million different guys, points per possession and stuff. I think you got, I think you got a different person. Oh, no wonder Ryan kind of gave me the back of his hand on that. Well, that makes total I, sense. What? I, I wanted to ask you about it because because it was wrong. I, well, and, well, statistically it was wrong, but it, it's it is an interesting question with Malik of like, do we boost up? Like, I mean, he's been so good offensively. How do you get him more touches? Right. 
if you wanted to do that, the only real way would be to get, increase his p- pick and roll ball handler touches or his isolation. He's only ran eight isolation possessions out of 566. I don't shot think that you know. isolation is a way to go with him. First of all, he's so I, he's such a great catch and shoot. You know, why wouldn't you keep catch and shoot as his primary weapon? Besides, um, playing with Jokic and guys like that, he knows how to move off the ball. Let's keep the strengths of this, you know, this team. And yeah. so, I, no, well, that was what I was going to come at you with. If you were, if you were about to, even if the numbers were there, they checked out. I just now think, I'm wondering what was it though? Because I may have. Been, I think it was McLaughlin. Up. I think you were. I think you missed it up with McLaughlin. Oh, interesting. McLaughlin is that high as a pick and roll ball handler? I particularly on his passes. Well, so I I, I looked this up last night. He's ran 119 pick and rolls this year 79 of which he's passed on 40 of which he shot on the 40 he's shot on is 22nd percentile awful yeah 79 though the passes are best in the league chris paul level and it's very obvious by far hands down not even close best pick and roll combination on this roster is Nas reed and jordan mclaughlin oh it's of the of the decade what <laughs> What was the what was the last? Come on, you're the you're the history guy. What was the last pick and roll combination that was uh, in Tim Rolf's history that was better than Jordan McLaughlin per- and Nasri? Perhaps statistically, it would be Love and Peck. Wait, wait, wait. They ran pick and rolls together. Those two, the high low, high low action. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about pick and roll, like a pick and roll, pick and roll. All right. I would say maybe maybe Teagan, Teagan Cat was had its good. moments. You know what though. Uh, again, you want that's right. I should probably talk about this at least for the five, last five years, which is how long D'Lo and Cat have been in the league. Um, <laughs> talk about your three thousand word article. <laughs> exactly. Tyus Jones is a uh, very very strong with a number of different wolves. One of them being Cat. One of them being Butler. Surprise, surprise. Uh, they, you know mm-hmm. those guys love each other. Um, and then, you know, I don't have. Uh, you know, you can only do percentile roller percentile uh at least i can you i think you have synergy so you could get different people i have to go to the passes dashboard to see how many passes and mm-hmm. how many assists that way but you don't know whether those plays are pick and roll and then you learn pick and roll you can't make it all be at least my stats yeah you can't make it all line up but i think it's pretty obvious um that Nas and McLaughlin, it, the thing about pick and roll that is so important is knowing each other's pace. It's like in football, you know when you've got a burner on the outside that you can overthrow by 20 yards and they're going to catch that ball. And a guy yeah. who um, knows how to break off a post pattern at that particular spot and go at that particular speed, that familiarity with both the pace and the idiosyncrasies of it, McLaughlin and Nas know each other. Nas is actually pretty good on the pick and roll too, McLaughlin, when those two have it working that way too. Those guys, they did something in Iowa. A story needs to be written. I've told John Krasinski he needs to write this story. Um, And who knows if he ever will, but it's right up his alley to some extent, which is, the beauty 
of the 2019-20 Iowa Wolves. They came to an NBA team and demonstrated how this NBA team should play. They were a less <laughs> talented but more efficient version of the basketball that was being played by the parent club last year. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. Even guys, you know, aren't even here anymore, like Keelan Martin, who's now, of course, right, well, it was on the Pacers. On the Pacers, but almost everybody who came up from Iowa, and now, I mean, guys like Noel, Nas, McLaughlin, they're all overachieving, you know. Vanderbilt, it, I, for that matter, you know. And it's a product of you know to give Rosas his due there too. It's a product of I think good scouting to you know right. grab the guys that they did grab, and then you know to yeah to the familiarity. And I, I think it's the you know how we used to always do this seemed to be more of a last year thing than a this year thing, but where we would always talk about um you know, oh, Prigioni's from Brooklyn and Vanterpool's from Portland and that's where the system's going to come from. The Probably the best example of that is Jordan McLaughlin, who was in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets G League system right, running, right. yeah, the Long Island Nets running that that system. And what, what J-Mac said is it was, you know, that's why I feel like I'm a step ahead of the other Iowa guys or even the guys on the pro team right now, because I've been running this offense that doesn't really have place, <laughs> you know, right. for, for a long time. And it really fits his skill set. I right, mean, just right, clearly right. like this is because he is um, he, his pick and roll ball handling numbers. I was saying like as a shooter, aren't that great, but, but just like in general, as far as being able to put some pressure on the center of the defense, like he's, he's solid there. He's got probably the best floater on the team, right? Like right up there. Right. Which is not a high bar. Edwards doesn't right, have one. Right. Rubio, no. Delo, no. I was going to yeah. say Delo. He does have a good floater. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So, so, so Delo. But I, I think, uh, I think McLaughlin's that. It, it's just, I, I, I'm sitting there last night and I'm going back and you know watching, just clicking on some of the synergy of of McLaughlin because I wanted to see the pick and rolls. Like, how long do I have to go until one of these pick and rolls isn't to Nas Reed? <laughs> you know, and um, I mean. We got to see McLaughlin with Cat a little bit, right? Yes, I would like to see Cat and McLaughlin and Nas. Oh, dude, hell! I want to see Nas out there at the fourth. I, I thought maybe they were going to go back to that last night, and I wonder if it was because the Pacers didn't go with Sabonis and Turner that they didn't because they did have like two or three minutes in the first half where Nas and cat were both out. They there. probably saw what Nas did in the second quarter and said, what do we do to keep this guy off the court? <laughs> that's probably true. I mean, he, he was, that's, that's the second time this season. The other time being that game against OKC where they came back from like a million down to lose by a quarter of a point. Um, the, Nas on that time, and then Nas against Indiana the other night. When something lines up, when you know the 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 three cherries lying across on that one arm bandit, and Nas all of a sudden starts to, uh, you know, cook. It's unbelievable what he's able to do. I mean, it's one of those things where you just say to yourself, uh, he can shoot the three. So let's let's run two plays, Nas pick and roll to the hoop, and then make it a pick and roll action where he he pinches off and goes to the corner. Um, you could you could start running like 
Uh, you can build like a six-set erector kit of how to get Nas off. Uh, and there ought to be like a, a, a Nas Reed Red Hot emergency set, you know. All right, Nas is on. All right, let's, let's it, put in plan 462 here, you know. It's interesting, you know, that for all the things – over the last year and a half that the Timberwolves have square pegged into a round hole that we can't jam Nas Reed into the power forward position. Well, <laughs> right? I, like, but let's face it as much as cat thinks he can play the perimeter and we know Nas can't play the perimeter. I mean, neither one of those guys plays the perimeter well. And by the perimeter, I even mean close out to the corner. Um, if you run a pick and roll action, uh, you pretty much have to have one of those bigs stay with the roller. And that means that that big is going to shield off that other player enough to get an open look. I mean, that's just going to happen. Yeah. But, but Britt, this team does a shitload of different shit that they're bad at. I know. And, and they do it because they want to get, to, to get reps at it. So they get better at it. But do you really think the cat or Nas can become, a decent I don't know. I don't think nine of the ten other things that they're trying to do make guys become That's not a great argument. Can't either. <laughs> I, I I don't but this it's the 2020 2021 season. They're 7 and 22. Yeah. Like I I you think You want to see if a very low chance of something working with yes. because of the upside. All right, I grant you that. All I'm saying is I I think that the odds are right. I think it's a very low chance that Nas sure. and Cat will work. However, let's at least start seeing it as it every time, every time it is a team that has a legit four and a legit five out there, a Sabonis and Turner combination. If I'm Saunders in that situation, I'm going screw whatever the rotation was before. Let's grab Nas and let's put him in there. Like, I think, I think, I, I think you got to start seeing that you, stuff. You need either Okogi or McDaniel at the three. Yeah. Because you, that's, that's you right. need somebody who can a crash the weak side glass, which I like for Okogi. Mm-hmm or can clean up the defensive pick-and-roll mess at the rim, which I think McDaniel can do. McDaniels can. He He's kind of – McDaniels is – he's kind of gotten pushed around a bit in, in these past two games, yeah. which I don't even – which is totally understandable. He played the freaking Lakers right. and the Pacers. And you know what? It's, but, it's not – and I will let you finish. It, it is not pushed around in the paint. It's pushed around in the mid-range zone where people are getting to the paint. Yeah, it's by moving screens, right, right. you know, legal moving screens. Right. He really struggles to navigate those, which I don't even what, – what I was going to say is it leads me to start thinking, you know, we got to get him some reps at the three too because – I'm all for that, except he is – he's right now he's still better at the four in terms of effectiveness. I don't sure. know why. No, I – yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know either. I also think we haven't seen him play the three much. Right. Maybe so it could just be right. a um but but what the Wolves are going to need, and this is the whole reason why you I mean, you know me how I was all on the Akogi train and everything. Right. was when you have a roster that has D'Angelo Russell on it, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, and Kat, the most important thing you need to secure for your team is point of attack defense. And 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 Josh Okogie entering the year was the only person um, 
that you thought could do any of that. No, I think Culver. Before, I, no, I, no, no, no. Entering the year. Okay. Then Culver comes out right. in the preseason right. and illustrates that he can be that too. And now I think Jaden McDaniels has started to show that he could he could be that too. That's just a very critical defensive role on this team that that currently is being filled by two guys who can't shoot for a lick. And I do I think I would I would add Jaden McDaniels to that. I think he is mm-hmm. I think he already Did I say replace? Did I say replace? No, no, I just said you said okay. two guys. I, did you mean Okogi and McDaniels then? You left Culver out? Well, no, 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 no. Right, so I, I, I would I, I meant add. I meant add two. Okay, okay. And and but but McDaniels is more valuable. Like a Kogi, you have to still play right now because he can do that, but he can't do anything on the offensive end. So he already has a, the, the baseline of being playable while being a zero on offense. Right. With McDaniels, if he's 90% of a Kogi as a point of attack defender, plus can make 36 plus percent of his threes, block shots and do other things. I mean, that, that becomes, and, that becomes pretty valuable. I would argue, see, cause I mean, I'm a huge, I've become, a huge, I guess I've, I've been for quite a while now, but it's just the, the, the conviction is getting deeper and deeper. I'm a huge McDaniels guy. And it's because you say 90% of a Kogi, I'd say in terms of, I mean, as a point of attack defender, just as point. And of attack. I, I would, ahead. I would argue that if we make it wing defender, that he is mm. 110% of a Kogi because he is able to guard a greater variety of players, I think, than Okogi can. And I also think that um, Okogi can't play. Let's not get too. Let's not get too in the moment with that. We were I, three, four weeks ago. You know, we're praising or acknowledging that, oh, look at Okogi on I love you know, Blake Griffin. On all but that. Here's yeah. what yeah, I, okay. would, I would push back on that is Okogi does not work as well with others on defense as McDaniels does. Good point. I mean, point. if Okogi is guarding somebody, he's guarding somebody. McDaniels already has a willingness, in my view, to um, make the switch when he needs to make the switch. Um Okogi is like, he's so much better than Beasley because he knows that his tenacity will pan out. Beasley does not know that because it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But Okogi can be tenacious and make it work. But that makes it difficult when somebody's trying to figure out whether Okogi needs help or not. Um, the great thing about McDaniels, in my view, and this, you know, the sample size still isn't enough, but he he flows with other people, especially bigs who are watching the play unfold. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, people talk about we need to get Ant more and more reps. We need to get Ant reps. We need to get Ant reps. We need to get McDaniels reps. Um, he's just as important in terms of a team moving forward Um he has a skill, as you just pointed out, that is really kind of unmatched on this team, which is a two-way guy who is primarily a defensive player. He's already the best rim protector on the team. I mean, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's – I mean, this, 
they, we, I say the ant stuff because it's a little bit more um, easy to pin down, right? It's like, well, it's also the hype. And what I'm saying yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Daniels sure. needs the hype and not in a, not in a stupid way, not in like, you know, why aren't, I, I did ask Ryan the other day to get, I said, devil's advocate, said, give me the argument why McDaniels isn't playing 30 minutes a night. And, and, could, what, and what he said is I'm the devil. He said that. <laughs> what he said was, I'm with you 100%, and I've got this son yeah. of a bitch over my left shoulder that won't let me do it. I mean, he didn't say that in so many words, but don't you get the impression that Ryan really wants to do exactly that? I, I definitely do and have been – yeah, I. that's been – it's it's kind of weird that it hasn't happened, right? Because cause I know that Ryan has for sure wanted – to do that going back, you know, two, three weeks, right. It's really leaning into this McDaniels thing, which they just happened to be now. So. And I didn't I'm even know why they have asked the question. It was like, he wanted to kiss me, you know, was like, <laughs> yeah, as a devil's advocate, you know, I'm, uh, let's talk right. about that, you know, but, but so why, why hasn't he, why hasn't McDaniels moved into the start? Well, let's era? think about, um, some of the dynamics here. Mm-hmm. I think as uh, my first progression is who does it hurt? It hurts Vanderbilt. Well, Vanderbilt's looking for a new contract at the end of the year. So suppressing Vanderbilt's value is a right, good exactly. thing for the Wolves. So that mm-hmm. can't be it. Um, then it becomes. Um, you know what I think the answer is? Wancho? No. Okay. That Just look at who the teams they've played are. They're, they're, they're matchups that defensively, it makes a lot more sense to have Vanderbilt out there. On the other hand, Siakam. who is getting more effective here? I know. No, I... I mean... I, and, and that is I'm just saying the, that's why I think it hasn't happened. Yeah, no, I'm not I think it answer. is that's going to happen. Answer. Well, I hope so. I mean, he started the other night, right? I, 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 can't, I, can't make, I, don't, I can't make any other sense of it. Right. You know, right. I, it doesn't... Because all of the Rosa's thing, Rosa's regime things... It would make like, them look good, too. I mean, Rosa's... I know, it would... Should be in the I, rookie of the year, you know, top ten rookie of the year voting right now. Yeah, well, Rosas has been out tweeting now. Oh, he has. He's been he's been out kind of like his tank that tweet last year. He he came out with a Anthony Edwards is rising ah. sort of sort of thing. So you know, I I remember when I saw that tank that thing, you know, back here. This is totally a separate tangent, but we forget that like. Rose, we don't forget that Rosas is from Houston, right? And but we forget that like Daryl Morey is the most public figure um, GM, right? Ever, <laughs> like in you know, right. certainly in the NBA. And I, I kind of thought when that tank that thing sort of came out, I was like, okay, I think like Rosas is gonna, you know, I think he's gonna spread his wings a little bit more, and and you know. And, and talk and, and do all this sort of stuff. I guess maybe what's happened is they have been really bad. So he's, he's, he's waiting, you know, well, he's waiting, but I think he's similar in that way. Do you know what I'm saying? There? I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, it's always, um, you never want to uh, assume that <laughs> you never want to talk when your team's seven and 22. No, you never, you never want to assume that what you say or think has any impact on people who are, have a lot better things to do than to listen to you. But I do think that I hammered and some other people hammered the idea 
is when is Ryan Saunders going to have his own identity? When is it going to be any more than just a puppet, a Rose's puppet with a little string out of his back? And when I started hammering that in podcasts and writing, I didn't hear a lot from Rose's. I mean, Rose's did step back and Ryan did become a little more opinionated. And I found it to be very refreshing because I, I do need ways to distinguish between these two mm -hmm. people. So I know who to blame and who to credit sometimes, quite frankly. I mean, the cord's been pretty well snipped this year, wouldn't you say? It's been a lot better. I would think that at the end of the day, no, it has not. I think that, <laughs> I think that, uh, uh, well, by, by comparison, yeah, it's, by it's comparison, like uh, Ryan is a lot more independent now than he was. And we would not have got there's like it. copper wiring last year. We wouldn't and have now got the, the super yeah. hand signals that, Hey, I agree with you about Jaden McDaniels the way we did right. uh, uh, this, this time. I agree. But to give Rosa's credit, you know, he's giving Ryan a chance to fall on his sword, but I mean, uh, he, he is giving Ryan a chance to say who he is. And I think that's important because Ryan is the scapegoat. I mean, nobody in their right mind says, well, Roses is gone, but Ryan's staying. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, I, you know what I just think? And I don't, honestly, I don't even want to have another fired and fired conversation. Right. Um, I know. It, it, it's, it will what, happen as a, when as it happens. Exactly. As a consumer of the team, I find it so much more enjoyable to watch a diversity of offensive and defensive coverages and sets. There, that was the most grading thing ever for me last year was watching them do the same shit over and over again With on defense. Oh, oh my God. And then obviously they still, it was like, it was like the power forward thing this year, right. but all five positions on both ends. Right. And, and it was like, I don't know. I just don't, I like, I feel like it's a bad viewing experience too, to just, to just know exactly like what your, you know, what your team is going to do. So I'm not saying it's actually been good this year, the way they've like adjusted. I think you could probably argue it's been worse that maybe that diversity of coverages thus far have led to a worse product than if it would have just stayed static as one thing. I, I don't, I don't know, but it makes so much more sense to me to like, let's use this, let's lose, let's use these 72 games we have as a lab, right? right? right like right. to, to test, to test different things, not just to test what's our three point percentage when we go five out, what's how effective are we at limiting corner threes and forcing mid range jump shots? Like it was, I thought it was gross. Here's what I hope has happened. And I, I, I have not seen enough evidence either way, quite frankly, to know because of all the turmoil within the roster. But I hope they have a package for five out in cat and a package for post up in cat. If they don't yes. have a very, very detailed package for both, then I don't know what the fuck's going on because that 100%. has to be, you have two ways you can use the best shooting big man in perhaps NBA history. And they're not using either of them right now. I mean, they're not, they're not, um, Let's, I would choose to say that they have not smoothed out packages for either one of them. You see mm -hmm. 
you've commented on it, you know, times when they, they clearly are going, emphasizing cat on the perimeter and when they're emphasizing cat in the post, uh, which means that they're building something, they're doing something. Um, I do think some of them are set plays. Uh, I think the other night, I don't think that that Edwards cat stuff the other night was improvised. I thought that was... So- so let me ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this, because I think this is relevant. The last play of the game where Edwards takes a three, yeah. right? 11.1 seconds left in the game. Right. So Edwards has the ball so in. Exactly. Edwards has the ball inbounding it, and and Cat just kind of steps right above the three-point line, and they let him inbound it to Cat, and then Cat hands it to Edwards. Edwards goes up to the top. They run a high pick and roll, right. get the switch. Edwards misses right. it. Here's my question to you. Inbound the ball to Cat right there, which they let happen, which is basically just at the top of the key. Would you not wait and rather see just have? Go ahead. Or or just yeah yes or just say go ahead Cat, isolate on Turner. Right. Like don't you think that that has a more likely chance of getting you one point than running a pick and roll that with Edwards and even if the Edwards would have done the right thing, which was. Go try and go downhill or try and hit cat in the roll like on a roll to the paint. Like you risk turnovers. You risk you risk human error. I think if you just give the ball to cat. Here's what I worry about. Okay. I don't like cat with the ball in a lot of time. Cat doesn't like to um it, cat isn't quick with one-on-one isolations. He likes to monkey around. And I don't think, I don't, I don't like the idea of cat monkeying around with Miles Turner. I, I, I'd literally, I'll take a step back there. All right, but here's what I, if, if we're, if we're second guessing to our perfect scenario, <laughs> inbound bound the ball to, I would have not had Rubio inbound the ball. I would have, uh, uh, I think it was- No, Edwards inbound oh, was the it ball. Edwards? Okay. I would have yeah. given the ball to Rubio and I would have worked what looked like a pick and roll action with Cat, get Cat the ball, and then the and then figure out whether or not Cat is open or whether or not you can get Edwards in a situation to let him take the shot. That's what I would have done. I said Which... what I tweeted out was Rubio should get the ball to Cat with the option to pass or shoot. That to me would have been the best scenario. And I think having it be with 11 seconds, I would have rather had Cat have the ball with like six seconds and everybody beginning to go, all right, you know, now we're doing stuff. And Cat could make the choice between shooting and giving the ball to Edwards. This way, what they did, and I don't... My my point, Britt, is that I don't trust the other pieces enough to not mess up the getting the ball to Cat at six seconds left. So I think if you know that you can just I, I inbound. trust Rubio with that. Rubio has been playing well. And I think that is his game. I mean, getting the ball to Cat, I think would have been done fine. Or let's say that they doubled Cat and Rubio is wide open. They're inviting Rubio to shoot. He would find Edwards or Beasley. You know, I, I just think this is a, is a bigger question than just obviously isolated to the Pacers happens. game. Because how do you get pace? How do you get Cat the ball? That's a question. Well, uh, it was pretty easy, wasn't it? I mean, he basically inbounded inbounded the ball right to him. What I'm saying is what Ryan said, he wanted a pick and roll action. Cat didn't even wait. Cat gave the ball right back to Edwards and went down. 
went down and in, into the you know top of the key, and that to me, um, see, this is where cat is squirrely. I have no idea whether cat was um, proving he's this mature veteran by giving this hotshot rookie the chance to win the game and leave himself open to criticism the way LeBron used to be criticized for passing to the corner, you know, in a game or mm-hmm. KG uh, had the same criticism. Um, I think Cat would love to be criticized for being unselfish, quite frankly. And so you have that circumstance, but what I would like Cat to be a decision maker that's what I want. I want my best player to say, I got the right. shot. I got my man, Ed, Aunt Edwards, aunt over, over there. You know, I'm a hero either way here. Let's cook. Um, and, and, and we're saying the same thing. I'm just being less trusting of them getting to that, to that situation. Yeah. I just, well, I, I had 11 that's a, seconds for God's sake. That's the thing. I mean, Nothing's worse for a fan, in my view. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I always try to bridge the gap between somebody who's watching the game as a objective chronicler of the team and watching a team that I've covered every single fucking game for 21 years. So, you know, it's this weird mix. I and, think it's more than 21. Yeah, well, 1990, so yeah, 30. 30. The decades, you know, take one decade, another decade, they all fly by. You guys will figure it out in another decade. But uh, you do have this circumstance where um, as a fan or even, you know, an old grizzled geezer pundit, you're watching uh, 11 seconds, nine of those 11 seconds be some guy dribbling the ball and staring somebody down. And it's supposed to be this great, drama i'm thinking what defense when when another team is when 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 your team is on defense and the other team does that dribble 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 aren't you happier aren't you a little bit more terrified when everybody's moving around and they're starting to do stuff because (laughs) they're trying to make you make mistakes right i think you could have I also think in this situation you could have shot you could have gone earlier. Indiana it's a tie game, right? Indiana doesn't have any timeouts. You just got to it's fine if you don't take the last shot last shot right. in that situation. Right. You know what I mean? As long as it's so, within 4. Maybe even yeah. 3. Right. So I think like I don't know. You are right. The the better overall move is to kill a little bit of time by getting the touch to Rubio or Edwards initially so as to kill four seconds to get it back to cat. But ultimately I think you got to get it back to cat. I agree. And, and I just think that there's a risk. There's a risk that you don't. And if you don't, you have the ball in Rubio's hands who can't create for himself right. or ants hands who has, who struggles with decision-making and is having a poor shooting night. That's why if it was me, the ball's going straight to cat and I'm saying, all right, like, we haven't seen a lot of it this year, but we know that you if you're guarded one on one, you got you got your pump and go game, you got a step back game, you could take a one dribble in mid range game. Like he's got more of an isolation bag than we see. Right. And, and if it would have been in that situation, I mean, I guess 
maybe if he squares, the Pacers come and bring a double right away. I I, I don't know. I think he basically, I think you can get that look with Cat. Right. That's what I'm saying. I agree. And what it just occurred to me, and I'm sure it occurs to you, especially when I say it, because you thought, probably thought of it last night too. They were tired, you know? Yeah. Yep. Second half of a back-to-back in overtime, a guy who had COVID and just came back from it like 10 days. This was ago. regulation though. This was regulation. Okay, okay, that's true. So he's at like 32 minutes right, played. Right. Like, but yeah. He probably was spent. And also, I always get a little bit nervous when, um, did you see the play where Cat was almost tied up by people and wrestled things around and threw up the ball and got fouled and then held his eye? He didn't have his eye hit. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's those types of things. That, you know, I mean, I can see what's going on here. Nobody hit your eye, you know? So it worries me when that kind of stuff happens. It makes me think, oh, no, here we go with, you know, cats into his machinations, you know, instead of. He, he, he was getting there a little bit. A little bit of talking to the ref coming back, you know. Right. It's, but it's almost refreshing. I, the fact that he's been so good on defense this year and the fact he's been so good with the refs. You know, I don't even bring up that stuff anymore. Because, I know, I don't mean either. Because, hey, I'm grateful. You know, I mean, <laughs> to, you know, the things you got to do. And, and by the way, he's not alone. I mean, you know, there's, uh, I mean, Marcus Smart LeBron, you know. I mean, Mr. Flop all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, right. it, it, being an asshole is not a penalty in the NBA during the game, I'll tell you anymore. I mean, Chris <laughs> Paul, if no one else has determined right. that. But a lot of other people, too, you know. So, and and not even to say the cat was an asshole. It's just he, sometimes he gets involved in these little machinations where you go, why are you holding your face? I mean, you know, you're pretending somebody hits you in the face, and I don't think anybody did. If they did, it happened. He's squirrely, man. A long time he's ago. squirrely. Yeah, he's squirrely. <laughs> that, that's that's the put it. I I just I mean I I was thinking about that a lot at the end of the game last night because again it's not isolated to tonight. It's not isolated to this season. It's if the wolves are going to be good at some time with cat have a good season, have a playoff season. It is probably going to involve numerous late game situations where they have to try and find a way to involve their big man. Right. And they should. And they should. should. You know I mean? It's just, I don't know. Like, yeah, generally speaking, if you got D'Lo back or whatever, if it's down the road, like you probably run a pick and roll there. But I, what I'm trying to say is Boy, I'm not sure that statement was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked about well, that, this at all I, yet, I, have we? I, I Go ahead. I, don't, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it, it's just that I'm not. Con- I'm not convinced that you can run actions that have a higher likelihood of leading to points than just straight cat isolation. Uh huh. I I get. That. I just. I get that. I, that that that's my that's my broader point. We haven't shooter. got to see it enough. He's such a good shooter, right? Like, even from mid range, man, he's like a little Dirk stuff or whatever. I mean, that stuff is. I mean, he's not shooting a lot of them because he plays for the Timberwolves, and that is like the a sin, right? But if you could run, like, if he was getting six, seven, eight of those shots a game, I'm I'm confident over the course of the season he'd make fifty percent of his mid-range square up shots like that. You know what is a cool little stat that people should read? It's at basketballreference.com under each individual player. And it gives you a player's percentage of shots 
from mm -hmm. a certain range. In other words, frequency, and then it gives you accuracy. But then there is a third column that is the NBA average from those yeah, distances. Right. And if you're above average, it's like you're a 101 or whatever. Or, you know, and if you know, you could be like, if you're at 82, then you are just a really, really bad shooter. But, and it gives you all these things. Without looking, I guarantee you that Cat is over 100% from every single place on the court. He is a, of course he is. he is an elite shooter no matter where he is. There is no weakness in his shooting game. And just like Kevin Durant. Like right. just like these other guys that you go to in late game situations. And that's what I'm, I understand it's a little bit harder right? because he isn't cat. Isn't going to really get you going off the dribble. You can't do the, what you're talking about. Like the, the, right, the, right. the, the, like you, you don't, you can't do that. Cause he's a five like KD can, right. but you can isolate him at end, end of games. And, and right now, I think that's a better option than a cat Rubio pick and roll. Right now, I think that's better than a cat ant pick and roll. And for the future, I think it's probably better than a cat D'Lo pick and roll too. All right. I'm for it. You convinced me. <laughs> We're uh let's I don't know. Let's let's just leave the let's just leave the D'Lo stuff. Yeah, it's fine with me. Away. And I, it's I, I think that it will have to be addressed someday. That's the thing mm -hmm. that um it just pisses on the fun right now, I think. At the moment, it certainly does because, first of all, D'Lo can't rectify the status quo. The status quo is that his defensive rating is 118.2. <laughs> I mean, the Wolves have about 118.2 points per 100 possessions when D'Lo is in the game. Um, and that he does not help the offense that much. Um, and it is not a coincidence in my view that, um, the team is having a lot of fun right now. I just don't think D'Lo has, has contributed to team-wide fun at either end of the court and fun on a young team is very, very underrated. I mean, it is something it's... that really has to happen. It's it's one of the biggest reasons I wish we were able to be in the locker room this year because I think particularly when things were real hollow yeah. earlier this season, we would have got some real insight into what the other guys and D'Lo specifically relationship is with. And quite frankly, now, as we're sitting here on the opposite side of our laptops, right. we're purely speculating, you know, as right. you're purely speculating there. And, and I, well, I could see on the court when people are having fun and when they're not having fun. Yes, that's that's true. I, I I guess what I'm saying is, in the past, what I've done is use the locker room to hammer home those things and that I think I'm seeing on the floor. There is inherent bias. I mean, um, I really prize defense. I have a tendency to like really good defenders more than most people, and perhaps more than I objectively should, just because. I regard it as a very, very undervalued. It's half the goddamn game, and people regard it as like a sixth of the game. Um, that always, you know, my tip to anybody who wants to get into the world of analyzing basketball is if you regard defense as half of the game, which it is, you will be smarter than if you don't.
I mean, that is just a fact. 100%. And so, consequently, when somebody sucks out loud at defense, I get harsh on them in other areas, I think. Um, and I try to check myself on that. Same thing when um, a guy is really bad on defense, you know, again, or on offense, people are overpraising Anthony Edwards right now. Um, you know, he's he, he has a lot of flashes. He's got a lot of good stuff going on. But, um, you know, um, first of all, his defense is marginally better, I think, lately, but still not good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, hey, I did I, in prep for this thing. I actually did a little prep. Um, and I, I don't go. know how long we're going to uh, go on this. Oh, we're already we're already over ninety minutes. All right, so, so we're into let, the... we can even finish on this. I, this doesn't mean Perfect. anything one way or the other. But I took Anthony Edwards' first twenty nine games and Andrew Wiggins' first twenty nine games. Oh, interesting. So seven years apart, or six Jesus. six years apart, fourteen, fifteen, and. 2021. 2021. Six years yeah, apart. Yeah, okay. 29 games. Wiggins, 90, 900 minutes. Edwards, 817. So not that far apart. Sure. Edwards has 423 points to Wiggins, 372. So he outscored Wiggins in that period of time. Um, From the field, Wiggins, 39.9 on 336 shots. Edwards, 38.3 on 412 shots. But from three-point range, Wiggins 16 for 41, 39%. Edwards 53 for 166, 31.9%. So, God, that's such a change. That's such a change. So from two-point territory, um, as it turns out, uh, Wiggins is at 40%. Edwards is at 42.7%. Their true shooting percentage, Wiggins 44.8, Edwards 47.9. So Edwards is the more accurate, efficient scorer, which is kind of fascinating, isn't it? Kind of incredible. And um, you, then you have a situation at the line. Wiggins got to the line 128 times versus Edwards 67, but only made 68.8 of them, whereas Edwards is now 80.6 from the line. So that's kind of interesting. Um Assists, Wiggins 41, Edwards 69. And again, remember, this is 83 fewer minutes. So 900 mm-hmm. versus 817, but still. Yeah. Uh, Wiggins uh, had a, a fraction of Edwards' assists. Turnovers, uh, easier way to say, Wiggins 41-58 assist to turnover ratio. Edwards 69-46. Huge difference. Hmm. Who takes care wow. of the ball better? Edwards took care of the ball much better. Uh, steals. Wiggins 29-21 lead, blocks Wiggins 15-10 lead, personal fouls Wiggins 69-43 lead. Overall rebounds, Wiggins 113, Edwards 107, a push. Edwards better on the defensive glass than Wiggins on the offensive glass. But what that says is that Edwards thus far, in my view, has had a, a slightly better, it isn't slam dunk, but he is slightly better rookie season than Wiggins. And, and, and in terms of uh, uh, advanced analytics, defensive rating, Edwards is at 113. Wiggins was at 111.3. But That's got to be relevant. That's got to be relative to the team. Exactly. Overall. The team, yeah. Wiggins is uh, 
worse. The team was 110.9. Um, Edwards is 0.2 better, 113.2 versus 113. So again, Edwards slightly better. On offense, Wiggins 101.5 versus what the team overall was, 101.8. Edwards 105.8 versus what the team is, 106.3. About the same. Oh, About a push. Those are disgusting offensive ratings. <laughs> so, uh, net rating, Wiggins minus 9.7. The team was minus 9.1. Edwards minus 7.3. The team was minus 6.9. They've had kind of a similar impact or not impact on the team. Usage, Wiggins 17.2. Edwards twenty four four. Interesting. So seventeen was Wiggins. Wow, that's lower. I, I guess what what I take for it from that and and trying to make a case for for Wiggins too is I think and and remembering as well is I think Wiggins was a better defender, maybe noticeably better defender as a rookie and than also, Edwards was as a rookie. He didn't have. Uh, the, the, the Wolves at that time didn't have injuries to their main players yet. Um, mm -hmm. But they did have bad players. But actually, the, that was the season, I think, Kevin Martin and – was that – was Love there? This is the year before Levine and Towns. No. No, Levine, Levine was with Wiggins, right? With Wiggs. Oh, that's yeah, right. Was... Yeah, that was – Rubio got hurt. Rubio and, mm -hmm. and Kevin Martin both got hurt. That's what it was. All I remember right. is Peck. his injuries. Peck, yeah, Peck was always hurt back then. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're right. Those three um, made it so that uh, they put Levine at the point, and that was the end of that, you know? I mean, <laughs> which, by the way, the... Zach Levine, I mean, he will always be an awful, awful defender, and I will never back off from that. He will always be one of the worst five defenders I've ever seen. I would say probably top two. But, man, is he balling on offense. He is fun to watch. It's insane. He's really, it's, really good on offense now. I, I again, they played the Pacers on Monday. Right. I watched. I watched that whole game. I mean, he both places. He's like, a three-tier scorer now. He gets to the well, rim. He's at the line and from three-point territory. And, and when you talk about like that, that whole just I have the ball at the top of the key, one wiggle, one two into a pull-up. Like he can get that on anyone. Anytime he's he wants and make it 40% jumper. of the time. He's always had it, a perfect form and goes up a, a mile. Did you read you read Hollinger's piece no, uh, on yesterday no. on – Oh, no, I was It, it wasn't just it. on Zach. It's like best the, of the, worst. the best guys from the worst teams. Yeah. I, I, I clicked on it because I saw – I meant what, to I read think, it, but uh, I didn't read it. Is he praiseworthy? Yeah. Uh, well, he – like well, – Does he, he love Levine's he, offense? He, he – he, I mean, he loves it, and, and he cites that – he cites a usage over thirty, and and a true shooting percentage over sixty five, and it's like the guys in the league that are doing that are like him, Kyrie, uh, KD. Trying to think of maybe like maybe LeBron. I mean, it's it's this it's a it's, it's a elite caliber, and I and I think he should be. I, he's so bad on defense. Yeah, actually, I, mean, I shouldn't say that. I this, need to like this... look through the. That his first 500 team hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, come on, he's awful. But he might be going. But he might be going up against like Vucevic for the last spot. I love Vuce. I I. <laughs> but me the too, same way, but he, Vucevic. The Chicago's is, better Vucevic than Vucevic is the Zach Levine of centers, though. Tremendous <laughs> on offense, awful defense. Uh, so right. he's so he's cat. 
right. That, that's the wrap. That's the wrap. All right. Yeah. Well, now, now he is. Now he is. Um, what, what are you writing next? I have no idea. I mean, you know, it's. I'm still in that kind of situation where I do have a new editor. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to ask yeah, you about that. Zach, we don't Zach have to maybe Pierce, talk about it publicly. Or... Zach Pierce is uh, is got promoted as he should be. He's yeah, a great. Man, he, shout out Zach. He's a great editor. Shout out Zach. He's a great editor, and uh, I had this one thing, you know, and my usual stuff, you know, it's way longer than anybody expects, and it's really involved with a lot of words that are in there, whether they need to be or not, you know. And so there are certain editors who would hate edit somebody like me because it's a chore. There's a lot of fucking M dashes and ellipses and parentheses as I want to wedge in every, you know, nuance I can and choose the right words that I think exactly say things, but maybe unnecessary to 80% of the readers, you know? And so <laughs> it is one of those things where uh, if you don't appreciate that kind of writing and let's face it, it's certainly not for everybody. If you happen to run into the editor like that, it's it it will change my life, you know. And <laughs> and so, after the first one, she said, "Great story, nothing but a few tweaks," and and they were all kind of factual, minor edit tweaks. And so uh, her name is Jenny Creech, and I thought she did a great job because she left me alone, which I, of course I think is a great job. But I mean, I also think she she. Uh, I feel a lot better about the change now because I can be, you know, pretty idiosyncratic and also pretty jealous of wanting what I have on the page to stay there. You you said in the piece that the Wolves got fined twenty five thousand yeah, dollars for resting Dilo. This year they yeah. did. Was it not this Are year? Are you certain about? That? I thought I, that was last year. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, but I should look. I thought I, I, I did. I actually I looked at uh, D'Lo not playing. I should look it up. All right. I'm pretty sure it was from the Denver game um, last year that was on national TV. Is when uh, they got fined twenty five thousand. Okay. Well, okay. Good, for good that, but I didn't know if it was. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes those things get tucked away and yeah. Well, little little corridors. Well, and also you know when you're handed of you know a voluminous three. Oh, and in fairness to her, by the way. She I'm sorry. That sounds like I'm shitting on her. No, 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 I didn't no, mean no, it. No, I didn't mean no, it like no. that. I actually think yeah, it's I, kind of. Important. I don't even know who this is. Hey, when you pick up yeah. mistakes, I think it's pretty important to let me know about them because otherwise I'll <laughs> maybe, sail through maybe life. Not on the, not on I'll the podcast. I'll continue to think I'm perfect, you know. And so uh, <laughs> she lives in Houston, which uh, this week has just been insane. You know. I, yeah. Right. Uh, right. She may or may not have power. Uh, you know, she had kids from somebody else's household, you know, in her household. Uh, uh, so uh, if, if she uh, trusted that my DLO information was accurate and it wasn't. Then, uh, yeah. how, would she, how would she know that? How would you? Well, like, that's oh, actually what. Maybe the, I need to fact that's check. That's what the supreme, you know, editors do. They, they find something that I go, holy shit. Well, I would. I would miss that on every single team, <laughs> on every single article that wasn't Timberwolves related. Yeah, I know. It's, it's certainly fair. No. Um, all right. Well, anyway, I'm gonna. Good news. You'll so write something. Yeah. yeah, I'll write something somewhere down the line. I have no idea what it is. I got. I got some ideas for you. I got some ideas for all you. All right. Well, uh, I'll fire lay it on you. me. Uh, you know, and and uh, one of the things I have been actually thinking about, and if people want to, you know, feed me stuff on this, it'd be fine because I think it's wide open. 
is I want to talk about fun tweaks for this roster. In other words, hmm. I want to see four or five pick and rolls between Cat and Nas. I think it would be cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or I want to see uh, Okogie McDaniel Vanderbilt half-court traps, you know, even sure. full-court traps. But tweaks, like take take five of them and unpack it, mm-hmm. you know. I think that'd be a fun yeah. column. Yeah. No, you're you're due for a, a weird Brit article. Yeah, but see, that's the thing that I don't know I can get past the higher-ups. You know, that's... Oh, that's it, dumb. But it's one of those things that, again, you know, I mean, you got to sell the... Uh, but if you are exclusively writing cynical Brit stuff, <laughs> I'm serious. I, I and which is which is accurate and good. <laughs> it, but but I think about what was the like when you you talked about you wrote the articles where it was like you called Gork. He looked like a panther when he was running the floor. Oh, yeah, like yeah. you described what was that? You described call, the most endearing qualities about each qualities player. of every player yeah, in the yeah, roster. Yeah. Like th- those columns right. in the middle of disgusting Timberwolves seasons I think are are more relevant and quite frankly probably get more readers and generate whatever that sort of stuff is than just being like I mean how many more things how many more times can we say the Rubio Delo thing doesn't work the cat Delo parent right. all that is left for the rest of the year is fun tweaks that's it sounds good to me I'll think about <laughs> it I'll take it under advisement okay. I'll send it up the ladder. <laughs> I, I, I'm asserting myself as send your executive producer. Hey, That's... No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> and uh, if we can't imagine great worlds for each other, then what's the point? Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, well, you guys can all follow everything Britt and John Krasinski are doing over at The Athletic. Follow Britt on Twitter, at Britt Robson. Uh, this weekend, we got the Wolves at home against Toronto uh, again. Revenge and then. Game revenge game and then Tibbs revenge game on Sunday yeah. uh, in New York against the Knicks. So um, we'll be back to talk about all of that. And thank you, Britt, for coming on. Sure. I will. I'll talk to you all soon. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.